Did you hear that? What? What? That that noise. Was that the horror comedy podcast? With Jake and Haley, Sundays and Wednesdays. The only podcast where we get high and try to scare you and share short, scary stories. Contains marijuana. Keep away from children. Joaquin understands all. I never want to hear you say that about him ever again. What are you doing, Jake? Joaquining down the street. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. High as balls. Okay. Um, Let's see. When I got home from work, I took a dab. It was actually like the tiniest dab. What is that called? I'm surprised I got that high. This is called gnome bread. Wait. Called chrome bread. I liked gnome bread so much better. I like gnome bread, too. I think I'm dyslexic. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I think you should be in charge of the names, though. Gnome bread makes way more sense. Gnome bread. Like, made by gnomes. I know. You gnome? Stop. Never. Oh, shit. The cats are fighting. It's from Green Dot. It is full spectrum extracts. And then we just smoked a huge blunt. Huge blunt. It was a fucking chihuahua's dick. Massive. It was at least a corgi. It was much bigger was than you're letting on. Jake, yes. do you want to talk about something scary? Yeah. Okay. Is it the biggest gang in the world? The, the fire department. Uh, the police department. The, yes. That's the police exactly, department. You yeah. got it, buddy. That's exactly right. We're going to talk about the origins of the American police department because this is something that's scary. And actually, for sure, happening. Police brutality, people, it's out there. It's been around. She's going to tell us Listen. how long. It's been forever. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Reel it back in, baby. We don't even have to go that far. I am going to blow your mind today. <laughs> we don't have to talk about police brutality because what I'm about to tell you is going to prove to you that police and brutality are kind of the same thing. We're not even going to get into... Equals brutality. That's right, baby. Quick quick math. Quick math. So we're not even going to... That's four minus one, that's three. Quick math. Great job. That's so good. (laughs) He's actually a really good rapper. You don't have to talk about yourself in the third person. one of my favorite memes also. Mm. Quick math. Continue. Colonial America, baby, 1636. A mere 16 years after the Mayflower Kool-Aid manned its way into America. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Boston back then was fucking litty. There was the Boston Latin School, and America's first college, Harvard, was born. There was a profitable harbor with goods that needed protecting, and there was a bustling economy boasting official positions that were appointed annually, such as selectmen, ah, assay master, ass master, color of staves, master, fence viewer, Hayward, Hagreve, measurer of boards, pounder. Hey-o. There it is. Yeah. Sealer of leather. Like you even waited for me. To tithing say it. man, viewer of bricks. 
That sounds like a good one. Water bailiff and wood quarter. So which one of, which one of these jobs are you taking? Um, was plank measurer one? Board measurer. Board measurer. That's the one. That's the one. I'd like to be that guy. My foot is actually 13 inches. So however many feet. You'd be a great board measurer. Exactly. However many feet something was. I you only have subtract. two though. So what would you do after? Are you high? Yeah. I would walk on the board. Oh. Okay. Okay. Me, a new expansion pack came out for Colonial America. Ooh, Ooh. DLC. Mm-hmm. Comes with two new classes. Sex worker or gambler. Which wow. ups- <laughs> yes, baby. So that's kind of... Dang. Mm-hmm. That's like GTA fucking... It is. Casino status. Colonial status. So that GTA upset everyone boy. enough, and then that created another new class, which is the Watchman. Also Watchmen. called the Nightman. The Nightman cometh. The Nightman cometh. <laughs> they were a for-profit, privately owned, and funded system that employed people part-time to make sure they weren't fucking or gambling or getting their filthy peasant hands on any of the rich people shit. And at least not doing it together. Uh, certainly not. They also had some volunteers who I assume just hated fun because both sex work and gambling are like... Kind of not really hurting anybody if it's they, adults involved. They were the original Karens. They were. They were, they were like, excuse me, we are having like I a strict religious time here in America. Me, we're singing hymns right here. Um, you, can can't you? here. you can't have fun here. You can't have fun here. These people watched and stopped and apprehended people that were doing sex work or gambling or trying to steal shit. Perverts. Do you see that? Yeah. It's America's first little baby hint of a police force. It's, it's brand new. So, but we can take it further, and we're going to start up north, and we're going to work our way down south. Hey-o. It's getting sexy in here. Not really, though, because this is actually, this is really the high point of the podcast. It's going to go really downhill. You're going to want to put your clothes back on, bae. New York followed Boston's lead in 1658 and Philadelphia in 1700. Worth mentioning that this system sucked asshole because people were also being assigned to Night Watch as a punishment Dang. for doing crimes. How does that work? You're the crime. That's right. So it's you like you are the crime, and you're do- yeah, you're drunk. That make it get make- to work. And hey, guess what they let were me doing? Confiscate this alcohol. So they were just drinking and sleeping and like fucking around. They were probably like Stunning. having a really wow. good time. Honestly, yeah, that sounds like a blast. It's like Officer Frank Gallagher was reporting for duty. Night watch officers were supervised by constables, which was another job nobody wanted. They didn't want to wear badges because they were usually bad people to begin with. Bad That's legit what the article ju- I read said. Bad ju- um, so they didn't want people to dislike them even more. The richer citizens would hire their own constables, usually a criminal or a community thub. And they had twirly mustaches. Yeah. And they were also in charge of surveying land and making sure measurers and weights were correct. Yeah. I just gave you this little slice of history pie to show you that the early police forces were formed around cultural and economic needs. It was a really religious place and wanted to preserve that. And it had a lot of money and trade and it wanted to preserve that. Yeah, you're being too loud. We can't hear ourselves pray out loud. That's right. That's right. So now we're going to move down south. Hey, nope, nope, nope. It's not going to be fun anymore. That is the last hey-o for a little bit. The South had a very different culture and economy. 
and they didn't give a fuck about shipping or stolen goods, and they probably didn't care about sex work. Um, they just really cared about keeping black people enslaved. Kind of the Wait, only thing they oh, had going. so like the South of America. Yeah, baby. Dang, I was thinking like Mexico when you said no, South. No, honey. I was like, South America? Yeah, who knows? That's lawless land. It, it, it's worse. <laughs> it's no, this worst. is actually... This is just regular This America. is actually just... So they didn't have a night watch. They had a slave patrol or patty rollers, and their only uh, function was to track down and catch black people that were trying to escape their captors and prevent slave uprisings. They would go and terrorize black people that were enslaved on different plantations just to scare them so that they wouldn't try to uprise, like literally torturing people for no reason. What about, <coughs> what if they didn't do anything to white people? Nope. Hmm. Huh. Right. Burning children and shit. What? Yeah. The, the first slave patrol. Terror. Very scary. You were saying like terrorizing. I was like. No. While they slept, they were like just banging pots and pans together. Because that's terrorizing to me. They were like beating people <sighs> and like. And setting kids worse. on fire. That's yeah, wild. terrible shit. The first slave patrol was formed in one of the Carolina colonies in 1704. They were armed white men, sometimes on boats to patrol the rivers. During the Civil War, a lot of these men were called to serve for the Confederate Army, and black people that were enslaved for years and thought to be obedient, quote-unquote, had a great chance to flee into liberation into the North. In 1865, when the Civil War was over, the Southern whites were terrified that there would be an uprising amongst the blacks. Despite the reconstructive governments that were supposed to oppress Southern policy, the federal militia, the state army, and the KKK took over the slave patrol. They were noted to be way nastier, scarier, and more violent than their predecessors. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, we'll, uh, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll police mm-hmm. everybody now. Yeah, yeah, that's what we'll do. It yeah. was... The white, shirt, the white sheets will now be blue. Yes, okay, yes. Blue sheets, we're okay. Have you seen the tweet that's like, why do you never see the KKK and the police in the same place? Ew. It's why you never see Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus in the same ah. room. <laughs> <laughs> Their transformation from slave patrol to publicly funded police force in the southern United States was noted turn, as a seamless transition. Turn in your white sheets, yeah. Yeah, we're going to make them blue. We're going to make them blue. They were promoted from racists to professional racists with badges. Keeping them oppressed and disenfranchised was their only job. So this is like when you talk about lynching and lynch mobs, this was a time where all a white woman had to say was he looked at me wrong. He whistled at me. He attacked me. And they would just go lynch him. He said I had nice shoes. Yeah, exactly. And like literally no evidence, no trial, no nothing. So I can't think of anything scarier As the economy and a culture of the city developed, so did its police force and its responsibilities. The first strike was in about 1790, and beginning in the 1800s, striking became more and more frequent. I actually have a really cool graph about it. Striking? Like the hitting or the... Like, fuck you, pay me better, goodbye. Legitimate forward form of protest. Okay. Yeah. People are um, forming labor unions, and they don't want to work you know, 80 hours a week for 10 cents or whatever. This is a graph. Hey, that's a graph. Starting in 1880, so. of strikes. You see how that shit just. Well, and that break right there, that means there was a gap. No information. 
Yeah. Pretty crazy. It was blacked out by CIA. <laughs> CIA. Black we're probably ops. on a list for even doing this episode, <gasps> to be honest. For Googling that graph, you were put on a list? That's right. Well, I had to Google a lot of stuff. That graph is from Strikes in the United States, 1880 to eight, 1936, by Florence Peterson. If, I know you were wondering. Shout out, Flo P. What's up, Flo P? In 1800, immigrants also began to pour into port cities. At the same time, we had labor unions forming. We had strikes happening. The sailors in New York went on strike because they wanted $14 a month instead of $10 a month. Dang. I know. It's happening just like that now, except it's an hour. Yeah. Adjusted for inflation from two fifty one a month to three fifty one a month. The sailors marched around the city demanding their needs, calling other seamen until their leader was arrested and put in jail. I also don't think they got that raise, which is really sad. And pretty much everyone was going on strike. People were really tired of working shit hours with shit pay. Striking was actually a criminal charge with fines associated. So was demanding better wages. Maybe the people had this mindset of like, I want to be treated better and I want to make more money. But no, the- why? Exactly. Why? Who, Who gave you permission? Here you. Here? Who do you think you are? So at this point, the police were still being paid for by, you know, politicians and businessmen. So they were invested. The year is 2020. Oh, sorry. <laughs> they were invested in the needs of the politicians and the businessmen. The financial burden of police work was eventually transferred from the merchants and businesses to the shoulders of the citizens on the argument that it was for the common good. And the responsibility of the police did change with that. Um, from watching to make sure that goods weren't being stolen, people weren't gambling, people weren't having sex for money, transition to policing, disrupting protests, policing immigrants, um, kind of just being dickheads. The year. What's the actual year? It's actually like 1800. The 1800s. Hmm. Seeing a trend. Right? So there's a lot of anecdotal accounts from 1830 to 1880 about how cities were becoming centers of vice, public drunkenness, and sex work. It was also a time of fucking immigration. It was popping off. 12 million immigrants came to America between 1870 to 1900, mostly like German, Irish, English. In New York, the population doubled every year from 1800 to 1880. And we had more and more and more strikes and riots for fair wages and working conditions. And these people were living in actual slums. It is actually Boxes. unbelievable. Oh, we got a picture here. Hey, that's not too bad. What is it? That's a, got a barrel. A ladder. Got a bucket. It's probably that's, like that their whole... That looks like a water jug. That's their whole yeah. house. Fuck, that's a fucking one-bedroom studio the, apartment in New York City. That's 2400 bucks right look there. Look at the look on her face. Yeah, she's like, this, this guy and his fucking camera. Yeah, she's like, I think he's that never, was pissed. You're never going to get it to work, head. Charles. <laughs> okay, you think I want to be remembered as living in this one fucking bedroom apartment? <laughs> you're a fucking bum, a Charles. A bum. Okay, also, since we're on the subject of New York, this was the time when New York had their municipal police that we had been talking about. Um, and the city wanted to get, instead of, you know, all these little boroughs having their own cops, the city wanted to do one for everyone. So there was a municipal police force and a metropolitan police force, and they actually couldn't get along about who was in charge. And then there was Neapolitan. And so they would, like, arrest somebody, and then the other cops would unarrest them, and then they would fight, and they actually had, like, a full riot, and it was Dang, crazy. And somebody York. tried to arrest the mayor. Gangs in New York. 
Sick ass movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but police brutality was already a problem at this point. They would beat people who refused to move down the street when they told them to, people who were drunk in public or being rowdy or anyone else who just like looked at them wrong. Um, mostly in the five points, the Lower East Side and Tenderloin. No, five points. That's that's in gangs. Have you not seen Gangs of New York? No. With Leonardo DiCaprio? No. What do all those places have in common? They are low people. income and neighborhoods oh, with like immigrants. Buildings. <laughs> people. So corruption is a tech deck, and NYPD abusing their power was the teeny tiny half pipe, and it was like, bah! and it just flew off. I think that was a great, great analogy. Thank you. Everybody knows exactly what we're talking about, too. Yeah. Tech decks, bitch. It's cool. One by one, these places grew and grew until finally they were cities. The burden of policing was too heavy for these small police forces. So by the 1880s, all major U.S. cities had formal police forces with, like, bureaus and shit that we would recognize today. Officer Frank Gallagher was out, and the actual police officer, as we would know and recognize him today, was in. And here was their cute little outfits. outfits. That's not the fire department? Nope, that's the cops. Damn. The New York police. Damn, what's up with their hats? They like helmets. Nerds. <laughs> Basically, I'm just trying to paint the picture for you that in 1936, you know, we had the Watchmen. They just didn't want people to act like shit or steal. 1704, we had the Slave Patrol who wanted to oppress black people and literally murder them for no reason. 1800, we had protests. We had immigrants. The cops were like, nah. 1865, fucking the KKK was literally just out there fucking lynching people for no reason. The crime was just being black. You've seen Django, right? Yeah. That is probably one of the funniest depictions of um, KKK's or KKK members riding horses. Like any time I ever hear of the KKK or any story of it, I think of that scene in Django when they're all just like arguing about the fucking sheets on their heads. Like, what? How are we gonna fucking see? Mm. <laughs> and he's like, "Well, next time you bring your own damn mask." My wife stayed up all night oh cutting God. holes in all of our sheets <gasps> to fucking make masks for you, ungrateful bastards. I bet that's really what it was like. They were probably yeah, no, really I, fucking I stupid. Literally picture that yes. every fucking time. Yes. Just like that's I'm hilarious. Like, oh my God. <laughs> 1880, we had the immigration boom in New York, and police were just fucking, like, beating people. So the lines I'm trying to draw are that originally police were in charge of stopping crime, and more and more, instead of crime, they're policing disorder, which could mean anything. It could mean you're black. It could mean you're an immigrant. It could mean you're drunk. It could mean you're talking shit. It could mean you're upsetting People on the street or like scaring off a political party. You know what I mean? Illegal. It could be anything. And if police wanting to police disorder instead of crime oh, doesn't scare yeah. you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Look, there's a simple solution to that. Be a rich white person. Okay. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. It's Turn into a tall white you. man. Tall white man. With nice teeth. Nice teeth. Lots of money. Will mustache. Good man. credit score. Tweed stuff. Whatever it is that the people that are in power, which is usually, like you said, politicians, businessmen, rich white men in general, um, didn't want, you can bet that becomes the duty of the police, which is really just (laughs) kind of... You said duty. Sorry. (laughs) Which is really... This whole shebang is just to say... 
force was not created to police crime so much as to enforce order. Therefore, police (laughs) disorder. I have smoked way too much weed before doing this to really be as articulate as I should be to talk about this. So really, you should actually check out Dr. Gary Potter's papers. He's got an awesome series called The History of Policing in the United States. He explains it much better than I do. This is a quote from Dr. Gary Potter's paper. The suggestion that public drunkenness, crime, hooliganism, political protests, and worker riots were the product of biologically inferior, morally intemperate, unskilled, and uneducated underclass. The consumption of alcohol was widely seen as the major cause of crime and public disorder. The irony, of course, being that public drunkenness didn't exist until mercantile and commercial interests created venues for and encouraged the commercial sale of alcohol. The underclass was easily identifiable because it consisted primarily of the poor, foreign immigrants, and the free blacks. The isolation of the dangerous classes as the embodiment of the crime problem created a focus in crime control that persists to today. The idea that policing should be directed toward bad individuals rather than social and economic conditions that are criminogenic in their social outcomes. So just situations that suck that make crime happen. So, does that sound familiar to you? The old black people do more crimes argument? Yeah. That's basically... Yeah. (laughs) It's deep-rooted in our actual police force. No wonder fucking idiots say things like that. It's, you know, like, literally, what the police force was trained and built around. I'm barely skimming the surface here, but if I go into depth to everything bad that happened and everything that was really scary, we won't even have time to get to the modern day shit. That's called the political era of policing because, you know, politicians were kind of in charge of it. We're going to skip ahead a little bit. 1900, baby. Like every other year. Damn. We weren't even in 1900s yet. We were in 1880. We were really close. Like every other year marked the start of a hard time for America. Strikes were happening. Every fucking year is a hard time for fucking America. God, like, when hasn't there been a fucking hard time? Everyone has that one The friend. Great Recession, the Great Depression. <laughs> COVID-19. It's like a bop it. Depression. Strikes. Yeah. Shortage. Protest. Pestilence. <laughs> yeah, oh God. Please don't. Uh, May to October of 1902, Pennsylvania co-workers went on strike so hard that it caused a national coal coal shortage. November of 1903, in Cripple Creek, Colorado, the National (gasps) Guard was sent out to kick the asses of some miners that were striking, and like 19 people were killed. It's called the Colorado Labor War. It's pretty crazy. Damn. Right? July of 1903, Mary Harris Jones led a strike of child workers demanding 55 a fucking hour fucking work week. Oh, I was they like, wanted a re- bucks an hour. No, they fuck wanted the a reduction. Off. The children were working more than 55 hours a week and they just wanted to work 55 hours a week. The nerve. Kids these days. Kids these days. To put the amount of striking that was going on in this time into perspective, from 1895 to 1900, there was like 6,300 strikes. From 1901, where we just are now... America? From 1901, where we are now, to 1905, there was 14,514. See, okay. How many, what year span is that? That's five years. Five years. Okay. So, one five-year period, there's like 63, 6,368 strikes. 
1905. Pretty much what you're saying is when people say, oh, well, why are they rioting and vandalizing and da 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 da? It doesn't work. It doesn't. Well, obviously. But it does work. It does work. It's literally proven. It's literally what we. It's the birth of America. It's what you're supposed to do when your government's not listening to you. It is literally the. Lifeblood of the country. <laughs> fucking Rosetta Stone, if you yes, will. Yes, yes. So fuck that excuse. Fuck that excuse. Excuse number two, debunked. In 1910, a union member dynamited the New York Times building and killed 21 people. Okay, that seems a little extreme, but... There's the uh, dynamite explosion. That's a little wild. Right? Okay. I get it. I get it. The municipal, metropolitan, whatever, you know, these small localized police forces, um, they were drowning in the juice. They were struggling to keep up. States started to make whole police forces, so it's not up to the city or the town anymore. And the, you know, country, like federally, started to make forces. The FBI was formed in 1908 to actually investigate political corruption, which is saucy. Ha! <laughs> This is noted as the progressive era of policing. People yeah, wanted. I swear, we're gonna do better. We're gonna do better. I'm we're sorry. Do, we're sorry for I being beat your dicks. children and lynched you and Look, we never meant to wife. burn the kids. Okay, that was bad. I, we can agree I, on that. I uh, didn't mean to. There was some reform in policing at this time in terms of actual standards for how we arrest, interrogate, or transport people. Wow, gold star. And actually, there was a guy named August Vollmer who came like hot shit. I think he started in California. A train car had derailed and rolled down the street and was like careening towards another passenger train. And this guy, August Vollmer, jumped on it and did the brakes and saved what? all these people. So he became like the police guy. And then he eventually like moved up and became like the chief of police or something. And this guy wanted to recruit people out of college, like people who had degrees and stuff. He was tired of like the street thug like image that cops had. And he wanted to introduce like better standards for how they kind of took care of the, not necessarily took care of the people, but you know, how they contained them and stuff. Um, and they also, he wanted to introduce some sociology and psychology and stuff like that. He also had this idea where police would patrol their own neighborhoods where they actually lived on foot. He's called the father of modern law. He was also a terrible racist. So it's not a surprise that they were like, oh, you're the father. We love you. Racist motherfucker. And then, and then. The Antichrist, if you will. And then. And then. They made drinking illegal. Like. The nerve. The audacity. Why would. We like to drink. I'm drinking right now. So in 1919, when the prohibition started and the majority of people were like, no, I'm going to still drink alcohol. Fuck you. Um, Police corruption hit fucking puberty. Like big time. Pimples, chest hair, boobs, armpits, armpits. This police corruption needed to wear deodorant and wasn't wearing it. Stank. Filthy. Philly, Chicago and New York had like 20,000 to 100,000 speakeasies, which were like obviously illegal and very much ignored. 
and ignoring that many crimes happening right in front of you, you know, that just meant that it was corruption's time to shine. Time to shine. Criminal syndicates would deliver booze to these illegal speakeasies, and they were getting fat stacks of cash. And with that came political influence. And there had always been these criminals, but this was the spark that made the criminals become organized. So do you know what that means, baby? Um, organized crime. Four, oh, oh, I was say they have 401ks. They might have. That's a really good. I should have, have looked that up. They have health insurance and benefits, dental, <laughs> yeah. vision. Free guns. Now all these criminals that were just doing shakedowns and running protection rings around town, now they were gangs. And they had businessmen to protect. So they had gang leaders. And... You know, those two things put together makes the mafia. <laughs> the mafia, if you will. Yeah, and the cops were offering a service to the mafia, too. It was a lot of fuckheads doing business with other fuckheads. Look, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. The Guglioni, just all you gotta do is march them back up to the fucking 42nd Street Bridge. The cops would, like, exactly like you said, like, literally defend turf, and they would, like, protect mafia members while they did deliveries and they would actually also shake up like enemy speakeasies and shit shake up or shake down maybe both there's okay they would fuck them up okay that's what i'm trying to say yeah 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 so at the end of prohibition in 1933 it's not like there was a few bad cops like not a few bad apples but like a whole bad tree the speakeasy cash was over but the world of corrupt police and mafia life and money laundering and black market business was lit and in full fucking roar. Well, yeah, they were so used to making fat stacks. That's right. They weren't going to give that up. It became fucking legal again. They got greedy. That's right. So that's when they start doing like, you know, like mafia shit yeah. that you would expect to see now, like uh, fucking money laundering and dope smoking. Yeah, all that shit. Oh, yeah, loan sharks. Loan yeah, sharks were a big thing sharks. that came out of that because these people had all this money, so they would give you loans and then, like, fuck you up or whatever. I don't know how that works. So, loan shark pretty much gets back your investment, okay, plus interest. The interest being a finger, a toe, a fucking broken eye socket, you know, whatever it may be, you're going to pay Vinny. So that's Start a very, very, very brief history of how the American police force was formed and how the responsibility of the police force shifted. Um, I can't possibly cover it, nor am I going to pretend that I could do justice to the horrors of police brutality and racism in America. These are just roots of policing. <laughs> yeah, we. this isn't even the fucking... This isn't even the worst of it. Yeah. This wow. is just... Just the seed that was planted that grew into what we have now. And this is just to say that police fundamentally are racist and anti-immigrant and for the most part not in the best interest of the American people. Sorry, guys. Sorry. It's really scary, though. Sorry. So what are their responsibilities now? Have you ever heard of John Lang? Negative. Okay, well, John Lang was a man that lived in Fresno, California. This story starts in about 2009, 2011, in that time frame. 
Um, and this is actually from Facebook posts that he Whoa, had made. Oh, we fucking jumped. Yeah, well, this is a really scary story. This is actually really, really scary. Um, John Lang had actually published these posts on his Facebook. Um, we have pictures? Yes, we do. We also have videos, which what? is really videos. scary. This uh, was archived in an article by Dylan Donnelly called Activist Predicts Death Says the Cops Killed Him. So I'm going to start reading to you some of John Lang's Facebook posts. I did have to edit them just so that they were a little bit more readable in paragraph format. Oh, so what you're saying is he was speaking crazy or was it actual? You decide, baby. All right, yeah, all right, let's hear it. I was having trouble in my marriage. Then I was ticketed two blocks away from the Home Depot on West Shaw in Fresno, where I had just visited. I later learned that Fresno law enforcement had a pattern of practice of unethically scanning license plates on private retail parking lots. They then pull the unsuspecting drivers over a block or two away from said parking lots. This was meant to optimize ticket revenue at a very minimal expense. Like, they can do that. They, they do it all the they time. They can fucking... So, what they do is they'll run your plates. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I've witnessed this. That's on, what, that's what they're doing? Long. Okay? Oh, shit. Yeah, actual. Now, they're not supposed to do this, okay? But um, they'll run, like... Oh, I got a couple stories. That oh my god! Get in it. Sorry. Tell me everything. <clears throat> if we, if I go missing, okay. Yo, else. you're tripping yeah. me out. You literally Sorry. sound like a John Lang post right yeah, now. I'm just saying. Okay, listen. What okay. the fuck? So, let's say uh, a cop pulls someone over for a broken taillight. Okay. Mm-hmm. They can put on a file, click, 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 on the computer that you pulled them over and. They were acting suspicious, but you didn't find anything on them. And then if cop sees them in another neighborhood or runs it, you know, that's on there. So then it's like, oh, okay. I'll follow this guy for a little bit. Oh, my God. So that would be so scary. Yo, sketchy, right? Sucks. Imagine like you get pulled over or something for no reason. Because you're imagine. Oh, my God. For black people. This is like a reality. Like you get pulled yep. over for no reason. They leave a shitty note like that. And then you get fucking followed and like pulled over again. It, probably I, the sure same day. I'm sure it happens. That is okay. so scary. Story number two. This story, a little more frightening. What they fucking do is they'll go into slummy hotels and run license plates. Oh, wow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. If, and it's like... Oh, wow. So like uh, stolen vehicles, fucking anything and everything. Wow. So, yeah. Millions of dollars of revenue has been generated in this questionable manner by Fresno area law enforcement agencies. <laughs> That's so hard to say. A pattern of practice that is still in use today. As an expression of peaceful protest, I voiced my opinion on the Fresno Bee, which is a local news website. <gasps> Dumb. Which I now realize was a mistake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that such an eerie sentence? Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was anonymous, but an employee at the Fresno Bee named Jody Murray was feeding my information to the Fresno PD. <gasps> Bitch. On the Fresno Bee, 
a user named HikerDude67 or HikerDude1967 was accused publicly in the B comment section by other commenters of posting and having knowledge of other commenters' personal information. A few days after this public accusation, the commenter HikerDude1967 no longer appeared in any of the B's comment sections. All of his comments were deleted. The word on the B was that the Fresno Car- <laughs> County Sheriff's Information... The word on the B? <laughs> Literally, you hip to the C. So you cool. word on the B, you hip, you hip to the word? The oh. word on the street, on the B street. The word on the B was that the Fresno County Sheriff Administrators had gotten word of the activities of Hiker Dude 67 and requested that he terminate his activities on the Fresno B. After researching... Oh, that's nice, at least. Right? Give him a chance. That's nice. Hey, man, you, you ain't gonna call us out like that. After researching Hiker Dude 67, I found out that it was Jared L. McCormick, a Fresno County Sheriff Sergeant. What? Doesn't really say how he found that out, though, so to be fair. Within weeks, I was vehicle tailed by undercover sheriff officers who were routinely waiting on the street near my home. One guy I saw around frequently, and I remembered him because he had very unique hair and facial features. Fresno PD was also sometimes following me as well, although their participation in the harassment grew over time. In 2013 and 2014, I was being followed so frequently by Fresno PD and Fresno Sheriff personnel. It became so common, I saw them everywhere I went. I believe at this point they had a GPS on my car or phone. I also believe that they were illegally tapping my phone by attaining either a false premise warrant or illegally. Later, I learned from other B users that there was a pattern of harassment and intimidation against citizens who criticized Fresno law enforcement, Fresno government, or Fresno public employees on the Fresno B. There were many posters discussing this problem of Fresno law enforcement retaliation for speaking out about the Fresno police abuses. Hmm. <laughs> Sounds a little gangish. A little bit. The surveillance and harassment peaked about a year and a half or so when Measure G was on the ballot. I was a fairly well-known commenter on the Fresno Bee and had over 2,500 comments and 3,000 likes. I was a fierce opponent to... Damn. Right? 3,000 likes. Weird flex, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was a fierce opponent against Mayor Ashley Swearingen's Measure G campaign. I was also critical of Fresno law enforcement and other city of Fresno departments. I now realize this was not a good idea. That's creepy. That's just a creepy sentence, considering. I had debated Fire Chief Brown regarding fire budgets a few days ago before this well-publicized incident. I was an overt poster and unwittingly became a target. Based on my experience of being followed by Fresno PD and Sheriff, I had publicly stated on the B that Fresno PD and the Fresno Sheriff Department had a file and data on anyone who was remotely critical of Fresno law enforcement. I didn't know why they would have that, But I knew that they did, and I knew that it was not for any kind of good reason. After my experience with Fresno PD and the Fresno Sheriff's personnel, I clearly understood what the file meant. I had a target on my back, and they were going to stop at nothing to get me, even if it meant breaking the law and violating my rights. (laughs) You don't have rights. Not anymore. You have the illusion of rights. Months later, the Fresno Bee switched their comment system to a Facebook-only setup, and 90% of the commenters left. 
After this transition, I terminated my posting on the Bee and sent an email to the editor in September explaining that a Bee employee named Jody Murray was sharing the IP log data of commenters with police personnel. And sheriff personnel were subsequently harassing these folks who were posting the comments on the website. I also sent an email to Sacramento Bee reporter regarding the same allegation. Neither of the two replied back to me. After I sent those emails, simple vehicle tailing harassment escalated into something more serious. I believe that during the last year and a half or so, in September, a small group of Fresno Sheriff personnel and Fresno police officers, as retaliation and punishment, initiated a multitude of investigations on me through a multitude of agencies in an effort to discredit and destroy me. They yeah, also... Like they're all like checking his mail, his trash. <laughs> oh, it looks like he didn't go to fucking jury duty. We're telling. <laughs> <laughs> We saw him litter. Oh, we saw him run a yellow. It was almost fucking red. Get him, boys. They also instituted an aggressive campaign of harassment and intimidation that consisted of, but not limited to, tailing my vehicle on numerous occasions, wiretapping my phone. With the information gained through these illegal wiretaps, they have contacted my professional business customers, insinuating I'm a bad guy under investigation, and it might be best if they don't do business with me. In April or May, I received a call from someone looking to get a jet ski that I placed for sale on Craigslist. Three people showed up for this appointment. One had all the mannerisms and personality of a cop. The other one, surprisingly, was Jody Murray, although he didn't tell me his name, so I didn't know it was him. What? The third person. The guy from the thing? Yes. The line? Yes. Shut up. He just came up and like... Uh, 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 my name's Jody. Jody. Yeah, Chody Slurry. Chody, uh, uh, <laughs> uh Biller. Willer. Concrete. concrete. I mean, uh, the third person was a younger male, slightly heavy set, riding a motorcycle. Following this appointment, the harassment spiked significantly. More recently, during the last three months, I have been followed with much more frequency. In so December. like fucking, they go, <laughs> they go and look at the jet ski. They like, don't even look at it. Be like, oh, yeah. oh, aren't you, uh, uh oh, oh. Don't, don't you post? Oh. Yeah, the bee. That, you got a lot of hot the takes bee. there, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't you? Drive that Honda. You drive that Honda Accord. Oh, this is yeah. where you live. Okay. Oh. Yeah, the '92 Honda Accord. Yeah. Oh, Great. I thought this is what your IP address said. Okay. What? Oh, nothing. Oh, no, no, nothing. No, no, no. Chody. No. Chody. Uh, I said my P yeah. address. My P hurts. Yeah. It hurts when I pee. <laughs> <laughs> in December, I was followed into the Save Mart at Blackstone and Clinton and then into the store. A fast-walking person talking on a cell phone came into the store and abruptly stopped at the main opening of the store. He did a complete 360 as if he was searching for someone. I noticed him right away because of his behavior. He didn't appear to be a typical shopper. As we made eye contact, he appeared startled that I had noticed him. I was at the meat counter, which is near the entrance of the store. Just how fucking awkward oh. is that? Just, it, like literally, this guy makes a 360 looking for someone. Staring at and you. And fucking makes eye contact. Like you fucking. I picture him wearing sunglasses. Yeah. Too, and then it's like even a more Groucho awkward. A Groucho nose mustache. Fucking, yeah. It's more awkward when you make eye. Like, you know, you, you know. just fucking made eye contact and you're wearing sunglasses. Mm -hmm. You just fucking laser beamed him. Oh my god, imagine if he was wearing mirrored sunglasses and then he would just like see himself in the reflection and that moment yeah. would be so scary. Spooky. It's very spooky. Tell he me more, tell me more. As we made eye contact, he appeared startled that I had noticed him. I was at the meat counter, which is near the entrance of the store. 
As I left the store with my groceries, I couldn't find him anywhere. But as I made my way to the parking lot and started to unlock my trunk, he came out of the store, still talking on his phone. He walked. Ain't nobody talk on their phone for that fucking right long. in a store. You can't even hear. It's loud as fuck in the How store. How awkward would that have been if his phone started ringing? Right? Oh, uh, that would be so classic. scary. I'm it now. <gasps> oh, hey, yeah, mom. Bring, bring. Oh, oh, oh shit. Fuck. Oh, shit. <laughs> then you know it's fucking Yes, weird. yes. He walked past me without making eye contact and entered a late model green Chevy or GMC sidestep truck with chrome rims. <sighs> As I entered my car and pulled out, I drove slowly past the rear of his vehicle, trying to remember the license plate. I couldn't remember the license plate because I got a phone call at that exact moment. I got a call from a person who sarcastically said my full name, then proceeded to ask me questions about a boat repair. He owns a boat business and a Uh, web hosting business. I've never had a customer address me by my first and last name before, especially someone I hadn't Uh, talked to before. What's this guy's name? John Lang. Lang. John Lang, like James, how they say it. Yes. Is this Lang? Yes. John Lang. I'm confident this number and caller is connected to the Save Mart incident. I believe this person in the store was giving a second party my activities and precise time estimates of my shopping progress. I believe the second party was then using these time estimates to enter my residence and property. I believe it has happened more than once. Damn. I had been noticing odd events on certain occasions when I would return home from shopping or picking up my daughter from school. Based on what I've described above, I believe these individuals have planted something in my residence and are planning to arrest me on false charges or worse. I operate a small marine repair shop, and recently I have received numerous calls regarding fake emission stickers which allow boaters to bypass polluter laws. I had never heard of these... Hey, is your boat motor running? <laughs> you better go get it. <laughs> That's how I see the pranks going. Yes. Is, is well, your boat sinking? <laughs> better make it not. <laughs> he says, oh God, I had never heard of these fake stickers before, and I've never had phone calls from new customers discussing illegal activities with me. I had hey, nearly hey, five of these hey, in a three-day hey, period. Hey, do you have any of those, those things that, Illegal sticker. Like it actually says illegal on there. He also said that if you put over the other sticker, it's like it looks like sticker, but it's not sticker. It's totally cool, but but you know, it's 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 illegal. It's illegal. Like he He said, he also some of these um, people were also like texting him pictures of fake, like fake tags or whatever, and he would be like, "Don't text me that shit," and then a different number would text it to him. I asked one of these calls where they got my number from, and he said it was a referral from a newer customer of mine, Tom Thompson, who works for the city of Fresno's wastewater division. Is that an actual person? It is an actual person. It doesn't say if he was actually a client, but I think it's just fishy that it was a city employee. Suspicious, okay. As I mentioned earlier, I also believe Fresno law enforcement have contacted my customers from my part-time business, which is the web hosting one. Wait, what's web hosting? Well, he makes websites. Oh. Yeah. Damn, I thought he was like only his OnlyFans customers. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. He was selling feet pictures. Can we take a smoke break? Let's take a smoke break. Let's take a smoke break. But we'll be right back, people. Yeah. Yep. Damn, that was actually a pretty big damn. You okay? I'm doing great. 
Oh, I was just thinking about these Fresno cops yeah. while I was smoking. Um, it's like Randy and Mr. Leahy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, like let's get him, boys. Yeah, we'll put the camera on the car. Put the camera on the car. We're not going to tell him. It's going to be you know, sneaky, like, sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> They're all just fucking drunk and shit. And yes. fucking like, Randy, get the walkie-talkie. Okay, so the crazy thing is, one of the the police chief for Fresno PD at the time, his name's Jerry Dwyer. So if you Google this guy, you see three things. And one is that he ran for mayor. And one is that he was accused of having sex with a 16-year-old girl when he was like 30. <gasps> He was a cop then, too. Whoa. And then another thing about Jerry Dyer that you'll see if you Google his name is that he is believed to have murdered his fellow officer, Jose Morales. Oh, Googling it right now. Mm Mm-hmm. So I guess what happened was Jose Morales was, like, bitching about him to other cops. So Jerry Dyer fired him. And um, so Morales was going to go confront him. And Morales was found like a mile from Dyer's house with a self-inflicted gun wound. Uh-huh. So the guy drove all the way to his house, on to Jerry Dyer's house, mm-hmm. a mile away on the day he said he was going to confront him and killed himself. Uh-huh. What? Because why? Yeah. That makes total... That's... Right. <laughs> so... I'm just saying that... And? (laughs) Yeah, right. So, who doesn't do that? That's what I did last weekend. That's my plan. That's my plan. (laughs) You stiffed me 20 bucks. And then he ran for mayor. Well, I got away with it. So, I mean, shit. If that's... And that's like... Oh, I just got away with murder. I can do anything. I can do anything. (laughs) I can be the fucking mayor. <laughs> Man, as I mentioned earlier, I also believe Fresno law enforcement has contacted my customers from my part-time business. Information they would only have access to by accessing my home computer or illegally wiretapping my phone. One such incident was in March of 2015. I had just had a conversation on the phone with a client about a website I host for him. For over 10 years, he has been a web customer of mine and has always had good follow-up with invoices and questions. He asked me to rebuild his website and called to check on the progress of the website. I told him it would be done in a couple of days. He said great and asked me to follow up with him in a couple of days. Following up a couple of days later, I called him back, but suddenly he stopped returning my calls and emails. I have sent multiple invoices and emails, and he never responds. This is extremely uncharacteristic. No. He doesn't even pay him? No. Uh, That's fucked up. Like... Like, if you were just, like, sending the invoices and he paid him, and he, like, right. he response, like, who cares? Cool. Who cares? That's the fucking model business plan right there. This is extremely uncharacteristic of this customer, and as stated, I have known him for over 10 years. I believe Fresno PD, listening in on my conversations, made contact with that customer and told him I was under investigation. Like, hey, do you know about this guy? He, he's, a, he's a pervert. Big time. He's a fucking, do you know what he does? To the motors he works on. He loves jet skis, he, bud. He did eventually email me and claimed he canceled his services with me because he thought I charged too much. After ah, and that, that's actually that's what the actually, cops maybe. said. 
yo. You, that guy's like, ripping you off, like, man. You, I would like, do it for you, less. Like, you know, like, this guy, like, is he trying to hook you up with a good deal? No, man, look, you can, you can make it yourself now. <laughs> you can use Squarespace. Squarespace. So ins- insert advertisement uh, for Squarespace. I actually really do like Squarespace. I like our website. But after 10 years and an agreement on this particular price for a new website, he thought I charged too much. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fresno. You were okay with it for 10 years. Come on, Brian. Fresno law enforcement were using their illegal wiretaps or stingray devices to determine who my customers were so they could meddle and create conflict with stingray my customers. Stingray devices. They killed they, Steve. They put lasers... They killed freaking the crocodile laser beams on the freaking stingrays, and there were stingrays. <laughs> Too soon. R.I.P. R.I.P. Steve. August first or second, two thousand fourteen. I returned from Home Depot to find my inner back door locked. In ten <gasps> years, I have never locked this inner door because there is no key to open it. <gasps> I simply use it as a pull handle. I lock the outer metal security door, not this door. I was so alarmed by this event that I grabbed a pipe and kicked the inner door in, thinking a burglar was inside my yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, that's fucking wild. That's and scary. no one is going to believe you. No one. No well, okay, that's you. the thing. The only person who would lock this door would be someone who is unfamiliar with the residence. My daughter was there when this happened, and my friend Juan was there when this happened. They saw it. Not reliable witnesses. Okay. Well, that's how they would fucking, they're like, Ooh, you only have two witnesses, your daughter and your friend. Right. Right? So that's like, yeah. This fucking guy is just Well, and who wacko. do you report it to? Exactly. Is he living it's, in Fresno? He lives yeah. There. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is John Lang even his real name? Don't know. Fuck. Well, yeah, that is his real name. Okay. Yes, it is his real name because he is. Okay. Can't tell you anymore. Okay, stop. You're going to ruin it. Sorry. Continue. December 13th, 2014. Silver quad cab Ford 4x4 truck continually driving past my house as I did lawn and yard work in my front yard. After making eye contact with the driver of the vehicle as he passed by, I immediately received a hang-up call. January 18th. What takes your mind off fucking looking into someone's fucking eyes like... Oh, mm-hmm. suspicious! A suspicious phone call, if you will. That's a good point. They think they're so smart. January eighteenth, twenty fifteen. Sheriff personnel slash canine handler standing in the left front of my residence with an obvious police canine. First, he stopped on the left corner of my residence. Then, once I turned on the security light, he moved past the camera, then towards the opposite corner of my property. I believe this person, who was obviously sheriff personnel with a police canine, were using this canine for some sort of dominance or socialization training on my dogs and the neighboring animals. This would enable them to gain access to my residence without my animals and the animals of my neighbors barking or raising alarm. Is that an actual thing? Here's a video of it. I'll show you. It is a thing, though, yeah. It's like when you make friends with your neighbor's dog and they don't bark at you. Wow. So they're using dogs now. Like the dogs, fucking, even the police dogs are dirty and corrupt. Dirty. Near the end of 2013, I was and still am the property manager of a home that I owned. I called once to report a drugged out man trespassing, and that gave the police the idea to plant Maxine and George. Maxine? Maxine and George. 
Maxine and George Ramirez initially passed my income and rental history checks. <gasps> Unaware of any law criminal record on the Ramirez's, I approved their applications and they moved in in May of 2014. However, in May-April of 2015, I discovered the Ramirez's were police informants who were tasked with watching when I enter and exit my property. Snitches! Someone had been illegally entering my home, property, and vehicles, while, and I suspected the Ramirez's, along with Fresno PD, had something to do with it. On the night of April 11, 2015, I confirmed this fact for myself. I have a video documenting this incident on YouTube. I'll show you that in a second. April 11th, 2015, about 8.30 p.m., George and Maxine Ramirez, my neighbors, invite me over to their house. After <gasps> about... Uh -huh. To do drugs? I don't know. To do illegal things? Doesn't say. Oh. After about an hour and a half, I start to get uncomfortable. Hey, man, we got this. We got this cocaine. <laughs> we well, that would explain the paranoia. She was just doing a shitload of cocaine. <laughs> no, like After about an hour and a half, I start to get uncomfortable. I stand up from sitting on their couch and tell them I need to leave because I lost my wallet. And I picture that being kind of awkward. He's just like, I lost my wallet. I got to go. <laughs> like, because he's like, uncomfortable. So. We didn't ask you did you just lose it just now? Because it would probably be in here. <laughs> You've been sitting here for like 20 minutes. As I walk towards the door, Maxine Ramirez immediately blocks my path to the door and puts her hands up and says, no, you can't leave. Just sit down. I reply, Maxine, please don't block me. <gasps> As I move past her out the front door, Maxine yells, George. At this point, my fight or flight response starts to kick in. I make my way out the front door and towards my front yard gate. George, who heard Maxine's call, ran towards the front yard gate. You can clearly see me in the video trying to find a way over the fence and back into my yard as George, a larger man who is a Vietnam vet, blocks my access to the front gate. He pretends to be unlocking the front gate, but really he was blocking my access. That's because there's someone in his house. Right? I finally hop the fence to the left of the gate and George then quickly comes through the gate and follows me. I'm about to pull up this video. Yo, fucking wild. Isn't this crazy? Fresno PD doing too much. Okay. Hold beer again. Yeah, yeah let, me get, let me get the gate for you. Yeah. Oh, he hopped it already? All right, cool. Yep, yep. Fuck you, asshole. I'm out of these. Oh, I got the gate, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so silly. What a funny misunderstanding. Yeah. Oh, what are you, what are you doing? Where are you going? There's comments on that video that say, like, George is clearly trying to get the gate, and that guy's just being a freak. But when I saw it, it looked to me like he, like, you know, he stood there for a long time. Oh, and yeah, like, oh, what key is it? Is this this key? I got 25 keys. I would have done the same thing. Let me go one each key. Yeah. I wouldn't I, have I stood like, there. I would have been like, like, yo, man, I got to take a shit. I got to go. Like, house, because like, there's somebody else. There's what's her oh, name in the house yeah. who's still there. You don't know what the hell she's doing. They were just exactly. acting funny inside. I would have done the same damn thing. Yeah. So jumped the fucking metal fence. Like, come get me now, George. Exactly. Fuck off. <laughs> so when he got out of the gate, did he go into his house? I think. What then, then what happened? I don't know. It doesn't really say. He goes on to say, I know Eli Rodriguez is an undercover cop or associate who is going to try to set me up because he eventually comes to pick up a small engine from my repair shop. Through an internet search, I look up his name and I find out he has a current or previous address that is the same address that my neighbors, George and Maxine, gave me on their rental application. Weird. Right? That's fucking suspicious. I don't think these addresses are coincidence. What's His, the address to? George and Maxine listed it as a previous residence on their rental application. What's the actual residence? And Eli Rodriguez says it? that's where he lives. It's 
what are the fucking chances? So he, he goes on to say, his plan was to drop off the motor, then at a later time, enter my property with the assistance of George and Maxine, plant evidence, then pick up the engine at a later time and lie and say I was trying to sell him fake emission stickers to falsely arrest me. <laughs> so I think like the ideas have the messages that are like, oh, meet up, we'll sell this thing. And then he swaps the engine for the fake emission stickers. And then it looks like that's what he was trying to sell, I guess. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. Uh, honestly, like at this point, it's easier to fucking plant drugs. Yeah, right. Like, plant, just plant drugs. Just give him some drugs. Guys, that works for you all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have a good track record with that one. Literally, just keep it simple. Of dope. March 25th, 2015, I filled out the Internal Affairs Bureau complaint form, which essentially is a duplicate of what I've detailed here. And I sent it to the officer for independent review. I didn't hear anything for a month, so I followed up with him and asked if there was any progress. Two days later, I received a phone call from Sergeant Sean Biggs, who in his voicemail stated he was with the Fresno Internal Affairs Department. He stated he had a few questions for me. I looked up his name on the internet and found out he was coming up as a sergeant in a regular police department, not in internal affairs. I asked, I asked the initial officer about the situation, and he explained to me in an email that before internal affairs received complaints, a designated field person in the regular police department screens all complaints, then forwards the complaints to an internal affairs department. uh, Right. What's the point? I replied back to him, stating I thought this was a huge conflict of interest and found it difficult to believe this was the process approved by city council and the mayor. I was starting to become really uncomfortable with this complaint process, but nonetheless, at his urging, I proceeded to contact Sergeant Biggs. I communicated via email with him and asked Sergeant Biggs about the screening as described by the other officer. Sergeant Biggs stated that not only was he screening my complaint, but he would also be the one who investigates my complaint for internal affairs. I was stunned. That's Uh, not how that works. Right? Okay, folks. Right? Internal affairs is its own department with not... That's not. Yeah. Yes. I now have my doubts as to whether or not my complaint ever even reached the Internal Affairs Department. So I'm going to show you another video. Stopped right there. (laughs) So this is across his house. Uh What's going on? These cops just pulled up. Uh This is right after he filed the Internal Affairs complaint. Uh So. Zooming in. They're just standing there. What the fuck? Right. That's fucking creepy. And they're looking at him. Right. They're looking at his house. Uh, I had my doubts for a little bit, you know. Now this video is, is fucking for sure. Like, why would they just be staring Standing at his there. House? You're telling me it's, what time is 22.18? That's like 9 o'clock. You got o'clock. a 22.18. <laughs> or what is it? That's 9 o'clock at night. There's nothing else for y'all to be doing. Yeah. There's that many yeah. of you that are yeah. just free that want to stand right there. Yeah. On, and he just filed that internal affairs complaint. April 2nd, 2015, I saw a Fresno sheriff personnel or associate check in my driveway, then texting a second party, then leaving in a vehicle. They are monitoring me and harassing me continuously. April 15th, 2015. Police outside in a van with thermal imaging cameras. This is actually crazy because I have no explanation for what this could be. Besides what he says it is. Like, what is that? And look at the guy in the front. Uh, okay. I mean, 
What the hell is that? Why would somebody be doing yeah, that? that's wild. I mean, it, it, it is California. So I guess. It could be them filming a fucking commercial or a fucking... Um, after that, I really couldn't find a whole lot more of his posts because I don't have a Facebook, so I don't know if that's still a thing or what. Um, I mean, I read a lot of different articles and stuff, and I couldn't really find any information... His name's John Lang, which is also like a really generic name. But here is a news report from January 2016. Police say a man who had been stabbed was found inside a burning central Fresno home. He was pronounced dead at the hospital and the neighborhood is in shock. The smoke was spotted by neighbors on Van Ness just north of Belmont around 3 in the afternoon on Wednesday, and the firefighters just happened to be a few doors down on an unrelated call. I think that's kind of weird. Chief Todd Tuggle said, while the 911 call was going in, neighbors were flagging down our engine company. The home was heavily secured with a gate, so firefighters had to force their way in. After a quick search, they found a man in the kitchen, unconscious and bleeding from several stab wounds. He was taken to the hospital and pronounced dead. <gasps> Lieutenant, yeah. Lieutenant Joe Gomez with the Fresno Police Department said, unknown if the stab wounds caused the death or the smoke inhalation. It's too early to tell. Investigators call the death suspicious and they believe the house was intentionally set on fire. Tamara Oliveria, who lives across the street, said, he just got those lights fixed and the gate is locked, so I don't know how anyone would have gotten in, but it's really scary. Police haven't confirmed it, but neighbors say the victim is a man in his mid-40s, a man who lived alone and worked on boats at his home. Teresa Fuentes says he was a friend, and she's not sure why anyone would want to hurt him. If it's a random thing, that makes it much easier, because the neighborhood is getting better, we thought, Fuentes said. Oliviara added, it's sad, you know. I hope he didn't experience pain. At this point, there are no suspects, and police need help solving the case. Um, this is his Facebook post from the night before, um, and it says, if I turn up missing or dead tomorrow, remember this van. I have one more. Oh, no. This is not police related. Remember this guy was fucking John Lang. He regretted this in the end (laughs) for the fucking likes now. We're not going to talk about police anymore. I'm just going to tell you some scary stories. All I can tell you is if anything happens to us, you know exactly what happened. You know exactly what happened. And... All I can tell you is if I see fucking three cops on my block standing going across out there, the street, Facebook fucking live, I'm gonna ask. Yep. Like, what are y'all? Like, what are you guys doing? What are y'all doing out there? Why are you looking at me? What's up? What's up? It, it's my right to wear boxers and no shirt on my front porch. I'm just gonna tell you a couple, two short scary stories. Uh, you just told me one really long one. One short scary story. Okay. All right. It's for the good of the people. I don't know if anybody actually likes Serve these. Serve and protect. Okay. Okay. So, this is a short scary story that I found on the paranormal board of 4chan. Sounds horrible already. It is. This happened to me when I was in high school. I was listening to boring history discussions in class, and I felt an urge to ditch. I excused myself to the professor. I said I need to take some rest at the infirmary. Professor agrees, probably too tired to care. So I go downstairs. Yeah, sure. Get out of sure, my class. 
So I go downstairs, and I felt like I had to pee. I walked the corridor leading to the restroom. Our corridor is huge. Its height is probably three times my size. This person's definitely not oh, from shit. America. Oh, okay. I was like... Yeah, I don't know. I've never been in school man, like that's that. that's pretty high. Right? Just like us. <laughs> <laughs> I went in one of the three cubicles, and I took a piss. It felt great. I really needed to piss. Okay. Suddenly, I start to hear a murmur. Couldn't understand Spectre due to the shitty accent, but I think Spectre it was Spectre Supreté. <gasps> I felt a chill down my spine, now observing my surroundings. Yeah, I fucking just put a spell on you, bud. I hesitantly checked the other cubicles. No one is inside. No one is in the restroom except for me. The murmur now turns to what I felt like was a chant. Spectre Supreté. Spectre Supreté. Spectre Supreté. Spectra Super T. Checked behind me. Nothing was there. Couldn't make it out what that fucking noise was coming from. I noped the fuck out. Returned to the classroom. Scared as fuck. My professor said, what the hell are you doing? What is wrong with you? <laughs> he probably looked worse. Smoke some fucking weed in the bathroom, man. I'm freaking out. <laughs> yeah, right? So I told him I heard something weird. I, I couldn't find the source of the noise in the restroom. He stopped for a second, then asked me... Could have been his poop. Could have been someone's poop, you know. (laughs) He stopped for a second and asked me what was the noise I heard. I told him, Spectre Supreté. He turned pale and suddenly walked out and met with the principal. I asked him what was wrong and he wouldn't tell me. The following day, the school invited a priest to bless the school. He focused on the bathroom. The principal talked to me. (laughs) Gross. Right? Like, y'all were filthy in here. Horrible smell in here. (laughs) Don't, uh, you know it's someone had some raunchy yes. fucking tater The priest had to come. Where a priest had to come and like... Yes. Principal talked to me and told me to forget what happened and stop talking about it. Yo, don't... Yo, you quit being fucking weird. You took a, you took a huge shit, okay? It was the fucking, sound of your butt meat, cheeks it clapping. Meat, it was meatloaf day. Okay? Meatloaf day. What do you expect? You ate two fucking pieces. That's it. Now I graduated high school and I returned to my alma mater... I noticed that the restroom was renovated. I noticed that the restroom was renovated and turned into a staff room. I remembered that day. Nobody fucking uses. I bet. It's literally just a room with a fucking chair. A ghost (laughs) chanting by yourself. I went and checked the old history professor, the douchebag who wouldn't tell me anything that day, and I asked him what the fuck happened back then. The professor told me to talk about this outside of the room because it seems the principal told everyone to stop fucking talking about it, and it was my right to know. So... There was a story that a girl was raped in that restroom stall decades ago. The culprits were never captured. The girl committed suicide days later in the same restroom by hanging herself. School tried to cover the incident that took place. Then I remembered what made my professor shudder all of a sudden. What about the noise I kept hearing that day? You mean Spectra Supreté? Yeah. Do you really want to know? I don't. Quit fucking saying it. I already don't like what it sounds like. Yeah. He said, it's Latin for look above you. Isn't that so creepy? (laughs) That's like Bloody Mary. Like you you honestly, I feel like said it too many times. No. (laughs) Looking up now. (laughs) Oh, no. That one was like a really short but super efficient scare. It got me. It got me the second time I read it, too. Uh, That's fucked up. Well, hey, are you scared? Yeah. I actually am scared of a lot more than I was when I started this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, we just want to say, okay, black lives do matter. Black lives matter. When people say that all lives matter, okay, everyone knows all lives matter. We're Mm -hmm. not saying only black lives matter. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're saying black lives matter. Don't silence black people's voices. That's right. And also, um, I would just like to say that the fact that we even got to do this podcast and had I got the experience we both had the experience of the privilege of learning about racism and lynches and slave patrols and not having that be a daily reality for us that is white privilege you know and and I just want to say that um we're here to listen and we support you and don't forget to drink water If you follow the links in our description for this episode, you can get links to, you know, all of the John Lang information, his YouTube channel. There's also going to be a master list to links supporting Black Lives Matter and Breonna Taylor. Her birthday um, was just this past Friday. So if you make a donation or if you sign a petition, please give us a screenshot and we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Take it easy, guys. Be safe out there. We'll see you Wednesday for a mini episode. Sources for this week include How the U.S. Got Its Police Force by Olivia Waxman, Wikipedia for info on history of Boston, timeline of labor issues and events, slave patrol, history of NYPD, Colorado labor war, L.A. time building bombing, prohibition in the United States, and August Vollmer, How the Prohibition Put the Organized and Organized Crime by Dave Ruse, Protests against police have broken out across the country. Here's how policing has evolved in the U.S. since the 1600s by Frank Alito. The History of Policing in the United States by Dr. Gary Potter. Strikes in the United States, 1880-1936 by Florence Peterson. Encyclopedia Britannica for info on the early police in the United States. And sagepub.com for the history of the police. As usual, we got our theme music from patrickdearshagegott.com. It's a song called Assassin. Also featured in our short story this week, we have the song Phantom by an artist called Me You, who you can check out on thedarkpiano.com. And as always, thanks to Sound Bible and soundeffects.uk. See you next week, you guys.